Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where we talk about all the chapters released on Visage Shonen Jump website, as well as another collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. This week, we read Shonen Jump like always, as well as one of my personal favorite manga, Pokemon Adventures, also known as Pokemon Special Frequently. Although we read the Adventures translation, which I knew was somewhat infamous. I knew we got a slightly better version, so it's not like a terrible translation by any means. But there are some jokes in there that I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember that being made fun of back in the day. Yeah, and I had no knowledge of this, so yeah. I didn't come off with any of that. Well, the, hey, is that a Pikachu? Ain't no Mickey Mouse. It's yes. the one that I have seen that panel a lot. Yeah. And I come across it as like, huh. <laughs> this is in a real Pokemon comic that I quite enjoy. But before we get to that, we have a lot of Shonen Jump to talk about. And if you're just joining us, we read a selection of chapters from Shonen Jump every week, usually about 10, with all the new series that has grown kind of out of control. So we are going to vote on eight chapters we will be reading every week, and then we will pick two each week to add to that so we can talk about series that we don't want to talk about all the time, but we want to rotate in when a chapter is especially good or notable. Yep. We also have Jump Card where we rank things because I love ranking things. Yeah, it's fun. Also, it makes good conversation. Shall we get into it? Let's jump right in. All right. So first we have Demon Slayer Chapter 162, Trio of Victory. You're more of the Demon Slayer guy, Kevin. So what did you think of this chapter? I liked this chapter. I liked the... So the big twist was that the poison Hashira had planned all along to lose and get eaten. Because she had slowly been dosing herself with poison? Yeah, Until she, there was 70 times the lethal amount of the poison she needed coursing through her veins. Yeah, she pulled. What's the guy from Princess, Princess Bride? Bride? I cannot. Oh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Dread, yeah, she pulled the Dread Pirate Roberts. And well, I mean, other people have done it, too. But it's like, yeah, I've been consuming this poison slowly to the point where she was like, so the most I can deliver in a single attack is like 80 milligrams. And I have like 200 kilograms, like 70 times the lethal dose because it's circulating through my body. So when I lose and get eaten, you need to make sure to watch for the opening and use that to kill the guy. Because I don't even know if that will kill him, but it should weaken him enough that you can chop up his head, which is the only way to be sure. Yep. So we again, from the last cliffhanger, that dude is now melting via poison, because that's what poison does to you. Well, it depends on the poison. Yeah. And... Sh- the ice doll he had made to fight them kind of shatters. Yep. So she goes in for the kill. But he does that cool thing that happens in Japanese media sometimes, which he, he summons a Buddha to protect him, which yep. I wish we had a cultural equivalent of. Unfortunately, due to our feelings on religion, you can't exactly summon the... What is that statue? Damn it. It was going to be a good joke. The Cristo Rendere. I know that's not what it's called. Jesus wants a hug? Yeah, that statue. You can't just summon a giant Jesus to protect yourself in the West. Yeah. But you can sure summon a giant Buddha. But she realizes that it's a desperate attempt, and so she basically focuses all her energy on her eyes, which might cause her to go blind, but she doesn't care because her sisters are dead. Yep. Yeah. She's like, it's pumping so much blood through the blood vessels in my eyes that it might cause them to burst. Like, they actually do start bursting a little bit, like her eyes turn blood red, but she can see everything. Yeah, and the art on it, like every art piece in Demon Slayer, is really, really good. And you can really tell what's going on while it's still having that very distinct style. 
so she goes in for the killing blow, but she's not strong enough to get through the neck, even with the poison. Yep, because he's still kind of blocking her sword attack. But then Inonosuke throws his sword at her sword to push it through. He throws both of his swords, and they, like, each hit, like, different parts of the sword to cause it to slice through the rest of his neck. But because it's manga and it's a still image, it looks like it's kind of Dragon Ball Z beam battle style. Yeah. Where the swords are, like, pushing against the neck, and it's a very cool effect. I also really like this chapter of Demon Slayer, by yeah. the way. No, it was it was very cool. I really liked because I also liked the fact that they had to do that for the still image, but it was definitely he threw the swords two different ways to cause her sword to essentially snap through his neck and not just I threw my swords to add that extra little bit of power yeah. into it. He like turned her arm into a fulcrum to snap it through. It it looked really cool. Yes, it did. And it was a very good way to start this issue of Shonen Jump, which kept going with My Hero Academia, Chapter 232, Meta Abilities and Quirks. And I've had very complex feelings about this arc, but I do really, really like the premise, which, if I can say in a single sentence, is basically, what if bad guy was Shonen protagonist? Yep. Which is all them, like, going through their emotions to get more upgrades. And this chapter really brought that to the fore in a way that made me like it a lot more than some of the more recent ones. In particular with Twice going after Giran, their arms dealer, and being like, oh no, what did they do to you? And the monarch, who has a villain name now, it's Redestro, is like, well, just because you're on the side of righteousness doesn't mean you're gonna... I mean, listen, like, he win. had that Redestro name, like... I don't remember it. He did have it a while ago, I just constantly kept calling him the monarch because, because that's like what he looks like. <laughs> yes. But anyway, it really had that shown in anime like, hey, I'm the big bad guy who's like way above you, even though you're in the right feel that really made it work for me. Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff going on. So twice when he gets up to the top of the tower, summons clones of the rest of the team. Yeah, but because he hasn't met some of them since he like got over his powers, like some of them are like, oh, hey, you can create clones yourself now. Yep. Yeah, because he can only rem- they only have knowledge from before the battle, essentially. Uh, the ones he met, like, in the middle of it still. Yeah, have still all do. Their yeah. Knowledge, but yeah. Yeah, and my favorite bit is basically just the clone of Tamara at the end. Like, he's starting to lose, and he's like, hey, twice, I'm going to bring the tower down. I know that because that's what I would do. Well, he was like, when he was picking me up and throwing me around the room, I saw a glimpse of the actual me yeah. approaching the building. So grab Girin and prepare for impact. <laughs> which is, makes for a pretty cool cliffhanger as we see the tower coming down. Also, we find out Redestra's power, which is basically to make giant arms a la Nero from Devil May Cry 4. Yeah, and it's something to do with that like birthmark he's got on his head because it, it starts expanding along his head and then it like colors his arm when it becomes bigger. So I feel like there's a bit more to just, I can gigantify my body parts, like the one class B hero who can make giant hands. Yeah, that makes sense. But I quite like this chapter of my hero. Yeah. Brings us to Samurai 8, Chapter 6, Samurai of Faith, which is kind of a weird chapter, but I do like the world building in Samurai 8, and it's doing more of that. Yep. They're just, they've thrown a lot of this in six chapters. And this is probably, I don't want to say the weirdest bit, but like the most like, huh to me anyway mm-hmm. which is his teacher's like hey samurai needs three things himself obviously a key holder and a princess yes <laughs> Hachimaru's like what's so great about a princess 
He's like, you'll meet one one day and you'll learn that you have to want to protect something to be strong. Yep. And then we find out that also princesses are just the people with the samurai making balls. They're the ones who can create samurai by like absorbing their world essence, the like essence of the planet they're on and crystallizing it into one of the orbs or something like that. Yeah, and I really couldn't tell if this is a thing they can do once per planet or once ever or just as many times as they want because when his teacher's talking about it, it seems like she's responsible for making as many samurai as the planet needs. Yeah. But then we cut to Princess Anne and it seems like it's they can only do it once because they're going to be linked to the samurai they made forever. Yeah, but maybe they can maybe they can only have one samurai at a time. So like as long as your samurai's there, you can't make another one, but if your samurai dies or get, gets destroyed, I guess, you can make another one. Maybe. I, that does make some sense. So anyway, we meet Princess Anne, who I do immediately like because she's a clumsy oaf. Yes. She lost her princess ball like because she was just leaving it on top of a jar of pickles because it was the right size. Yeah, she was like, I needed it to hold down the lid and I didn't have another rock. Yeah. And so her friend's like, but that's like responsible for making your eternal boyfriend. What if he like is a creep or a giant nerd who's really weak and sickly? Yeah. She has the best response of all time, which is like, it'll be fine. I've got a wide strike zone. Yes. <laughs> Is one of it's probably the most I laughed this entire chapter of Shadow Jump, but otherwise the chapter was kind of weird, and I don't really know what I think about this like eternally bound princess thing. Certainly, there's potential for interesting story there, but it's one of the most generic things Samurai Eight has thrown out yet. So yeah, but more world building. I I did enjoy it, which brings us to Beast Children Chapter Four, a place for rugby, which is sure is the next chapter of Beast Children, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of exactly the chapter I expected. Pretty much. He looks around their facility. They got a you know big field for trading and stuff. He impresses the superstar player guy. He's like, hey, yeah, I'll put you in for the next game of the tournament. It'll be fine. Yep, and I wrote it in permanent marker so you guys can't erase it. So the rookie is now playing on our team. Huzzah? Huzzah. I mean, yeah, just exactly the chapter I expected. I didn't dislike it, but... yeah, I. It's just the, that's kind of the thing I have with those sports manga. It's like, all right, so yeah, this is the thing that happens next. There wasn't anything super interesting about it. I mean, I feel like that happens in shonen manga all the time. And like, it does. I've even accused Food Wars of that, and I love Food Wars. Yeah. But I don't really have anything to say about it, do you? No, it was just kind of generic. So it's not like I didn't like it, but I also didn't really like it either. Which brings us to Chainsaw Man chapter 26, The Gun is Mightier, which is a pretty good name for yeah. a chapter. It is a pretty good name, although slightly misleading. I mean, I see what you're saying there, but also, what did you feel about this chapter? It's certainly interesting. It's very interesting. I'm still a little sad that Captain Eyepatch is gone, but I have some hope that she might come back in some capacity. At yeah. least Makima's alive. Yeah, I do think... Well, I d never thought Makima was going to be dead. I, I was just going to tap straight out of this series if Makima was dead. And I have to read it every week for a podcast. So that would have been difficult. I think Captain Eyepatch will also like stick around in some way. Denji gets Ninja Gaiden, just like Aki did before. And I felt like that was kind of lame because we've already seen that sword guy do that once. Yeah, although this time 
Denji actually got cut in half versus Aki, Aki just got slashed. That's true. And Denji, Denji gets was, more ninja guided. Yeah, and he was holding a hostage like, hey, this guy's your buddy, right? You're not going to attack me. Or if you do anything, I'm going to like, you know, tear his face into pieces. And Sword Guy just cuts both of them in half and is like, good, we've secured the chainsaw. Meanwhile, Makima is alive. I'm not really sure how she managed that. When she gets out of the trade after she cleans up all the gunmen, she says, yeah, I wasn't hit. This is in my blood. Yep. But we definitely saw a panel of her with a bullet in her head. Yes. So, so interesting questions being raised, which yeah. is why I thought it was fairly interesting. Yeah, but uh, most of it was fight. Not only did I not like how the fight ended, we've talked a lot about the fights in Chainsaw Man and how they're not really what I want them to be at the very least. Yeah. Speaking of not what I want it to be, next we have Tokyo Shinobi Squad Chapter 3, Taiga Shimizu. Again, you're more into this than I am. So what uh, are your thoughts? Just barely. Here? By default. Yeah, by default, it there's some interesting ideas for powers in here, but that's about it. Like, I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting concept of the... So it turns out N has the Shinobi Scroll of Remembrance. Yeah, so he can remember anything, basically. Like, the way they show it is he flips through this giant, like, mission briefing manual. And, like, knows everything that's in it. Yep. But then they're like, oh, man, no wonder people want it. That could let you get mind reading and brainwashing. And I'm like, huh, what? Well, it's, that kind of makes sense. Like, they mentioned that it takes, you know, like, years to master a scroll. So he mastered, like, the first part of it, which is remembering everything. But eventually it gives you, I'm guessing it gives you some control over the mind. Just like, what's his bucket has control over magnetism and the new guy can turn into a tiger. Okay, that does make sense. I definitely read it as more of, hey, then you get so good at remembering things, you can gaslight people really, really good. Yeah, I took it more of, it's like the scroll of the mind, so you'll gain mind powers. Like, the first step is gaining an eidetic memory, and then after that, you start gaining more and more mind powers, which, again, it seems interesting. And the guy turning into the half-tiger thing, I've seen that quite a lot. The thing that honestly bothered me about that was he does the slash move with his claws, somehow causing slashes a floor above and below him through the building. That doesn't bug me. That's just some shonen bullshit. Yeah, but it was more like I he made this slash and it's like, cool, it cut through the building. Did it like hit the opposite building or did he somehow manifest things above him? Like if he's just slashing really hard, why would it do that? And why was N the only one kicked out of the building? Hey, did you get the pun? Because I just did. What? Uh, his name is Taiga. Y yeah, I got that. Okay, I just got it. So anyway, we are introduced to Taiga, who's Jin's third teammate. I assume last teammate, but I guess we've never said that out loud. He could have any number. Who yells at Jin the way I want to, but I still hate this guy. So yeah, that's not great for all the stupid stuff Jin's been doing. Also, the reason they take this mission seems... Not dumb. I mean, it's fine from like a GM, this is what your mission is and this is why standpoint. But Jin's been so picky about his missions thus far that this just seems like a real weird, like, I guess, like, it's not a moral gray area. He's doing it for this research team. But again, the weird morality of this just seems really childish to me. Yeah. Like I said, there were some interesting, cool power things, but that's about it. So I still have hopes for the setting, but it's not looking good so far. 
Which brings us to We Never Learned Chapter 115, The Clockwork Fireflies Yearn for the Snow Flurries of X Part 2. They tricked me. They did. Hey, speaking of uh, chapters where not much happens. Yeah. I feel like this is a chapter that, like, it's not a bad chapter. It just did everything the last chapter did almost exactly the same. Just fewer sexy Santa outfits. Uh, We got more insight into... So the reason Ogata is feeling bad is Furuhashi is her ideal self. Somebody who understands people, gets along with people really well. She's like, oh, she's so smart and pretty. So she's like envious of her friend Furuhashi. And now she's been seeing Furuhashi and Yugia kind of like hit it off, even though Furuhashi's been trying to push, like Furuhashi noticed Ogata liked Yugia, even though Ogata doesn't really realize it herself. And so I thought that was very interesting, especially the thing at the end where she literally cut in between Yugia and Furuhashi talking, like literally jumped in between the two of them. Like she's so jealous she can't stand them being next to one another, but she doesn't understand her own feelings because she doesn't understand feelings at all. And literally Furuhashi's being like, hey, Yugia, go cuddle with Ogata. Yeah, she that's basically what she said and Ogasa's just like I did catch a chill and like jumps in between them and is like I just have all these ugly feelings you know I just have this ugly side of me and so I'm I'm wondering how Yugi is going to turn it around but I definitely like the insight into that into her so her grandmother near the end didn't really want to play games like oh you're going to have to get much better if you want to best me and Part of me is wondering now if her grandmother had the exact same problem that Ogata did, so she kept trying to push her away, like, putting up that false confidence that Ogata does. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I just feel like what this chapter accomplished was basically the same as last chapter. It had very much the same beats. It did. We mostly find out about Furuhashi and Ogata meeting, and that was all cute stuff, but... Again, it's just going into more detail about what was already established last week, and I feel like the cliffhanger is, again, very, very similar. It is. So I'm not saying this was my favorite chapter we never learned, but I don't feel like it was a total nothing chapter, even though it was very similar to the last one. It was just kind of more of an expanding on the last one. Yeah, I didn't dislike it or anything, so I don't want to give that impression. I just had had a real feeling of like, this is like a halt. We've paused the story for this chapter, which happens a lot of time when you're reading a story chapter to chapter. It's not really an ideal way to read it, even though it is the way it's published. Yeah. Which, if you don't have anything else to say about it, leads us to The Last Sayuki, Chapter 15, Wish Upon a Star, Part 2. It was real good because it was Last Sayuki. Yeah. My notes are mostly jokes, so I tried to remember exactly what happened. It starts out with Ryunosuke basically just trying to fend off the dog, which keeps making tentacles, basically. Yep. And he's like, hey, if one of them gets me, it's basically over. That's what I saw with Estelle. Yep. So I have to just keep fending them off. But I can see he's like getting tired out by attacking me. So I just have to outlast him. But I don't know if I can either. Like he has that moment of, okay, so all I need to do is hold it off for a little bit longer. But I don't know if I can do that. So he's kind of he's not doubting himself, but he's kind of got that mindset of this isn't going to be a piece of cake. I need to keep up my guard and hopefully I can out stamina it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kohaku has like gotten Estelle up. I guess we don't I guess Estelle does not know how they fixed her, but yep. She's like, "Hey, I got to go. I got to help him." And well, first Kohaku was like, "I've got to go help him." Well, that's what I meant. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
But then we see that part of the tentacle that got Estelle basically was detached from it and it can control it and it gets Ryanosuke from behind. Yep. So he has to do the thing his dad did where he stabs himself with the Neobu to basically try to surgery himself. Yep. Which is a pretty cool shot. Yeah, because he like makes the knife come out of one of his branches of the Neobu and stab into him. It looked really cool. Yeah. And then the rest of this chapter is just Estelle giving herself a pep talk and doing that good, good shonen anime flashback to motivate yourself thing. Yep. Which is like 100% my brand of bullshit. So. Yep. Well, and I also like when Kohaku is telling her, I need to go help Ryanosuke. She's kind of like, well, I mean, I don't have limbs, so the monster can't really do anything to me. So at, at least I can be a shield to block some of the attacks. Like, I realize I don't have any power here right now, but I can do something. And that really makes Estelle go, wow, she she is literally powerless, but even she's willing to go in. And she's like, what a fool I have been. Yeah, he's like, the reason I like Linlin is because she was Sailor Moon. I mean, because she was a huge klutz who couldn't do anything until the chips were down and then she had to do it. Yep. And that gave her the power. So, like, that's how I have to be. Because, like, I've, I'm not a klutz anymore. I've trained. I have thick thighs and big, strong arms. Yep. Arms so strong, I can just snap the Neobu and have to have dual maces. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the end is her being, like, showing up to save Ryanosuke, which I do like the, like, reverse of from two chapters ago a lot. Yeah. And then she's basically like, hey, we have to level up like we're shonen heroes if we want to get through this. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah, so the class Sayuki continues to be very good. Which brings us to The Promised Neverland, Chapter 138, Demon Search, Part 1. What did you feel about this chapter? Because it was kind of, it's not a nothing chapter, but like it just didn't do much for me feeling wise. No, mainly because we're not dealing with Emma and Ray at the moment. But I like this like side plot they've set I up. I did. But it didn't feel weird to cut to it. No. And I think like you say a lot of the time, this will be something that'll read really good in the volume, but having to like wait for the cut for another week feels odd i did think the cliffhanger was really good and the mystery at the start of the chapter seemed interesting so it's like they they hinted at some stuff and so i was like ah oh, this seems pretty cool i want to see how this pans out it just seemed really repetitive isn't quite the word i want but almost like a montage like we're showing hey it's been a while this is what these guys are doing because we're following don and gilda on their quest to find the cursed blood demons yeah for the most part we have that thing at the start with the bald guy with the stitch on his head doing some kind of weird demon experiment being like haha it succeeded and that, that's basically all we know he was doing some weird demon experiment and it works so like the evil blooded and the nobles aren't going to be a problem anymore so norman has figured out some way to do something to the demons yeah and really what this is about is about ash and her dogs and her skill at sharpshooting yeah, and Don and Gilder are like, yeah, this is like, Norman has really planned this out right. It's yeah. going to be really hard. We have to figure out how we're going to do it. And I guess the cliffhanger at the end is she can talk after all. And not only can she talk, she can speak English. Yeah. So, like, and that's like a huge threat because Don and Gilda have been operating under the theory that she can't. Yep. Although it seems like a weird, it seems weirdly early to reveal this to me. It does. But we also have that moment at one point, the klutzy boy. I don't remember his name. The guy who's not reliable, even yeah. according to himself, is being attacked by a demon that had disguised itself like a tree. And so Ash is getting ready to shoot it in the eye. And Dawn throws a rock at it. 
and Gilda grabs the guy and they run away. And Ash has this kind of like startled moment of realization of like, we don't know exactly what her moment was, but she's just, she's super wide eyed behind her gun. Like, I can't believe they did that. And Don gives his reasoning of, well, I mean, bullets are kind of precious, so we don't want to waste them if we don't need to. And if we don't make it look like a bunch of humans have been here, like I just threw a rock at the thing. And also bullets are very loud. Yeah. If he has friends. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of that zombie horror survival thing. It's like, well, is it really worth shooting somebody right now when I can just like throw a stick at it and then run away? Like it's not going to chase after us or like if we get away, it'll be fine. And no one will think a bunch of humans have come through here. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't dislike the chapter or anything. It just, like I said, it, it left me feeling kind of weird. And maybe it was the cut away from Emma and Ray, but like it didn't bother me as much as it did the first time it happened. Yeah, I still liked it. Like I said, I liked the cliffhanger at the end where Ash can speak. And I like the mystery that they're setting up that Norman has figured out some weird thing to do something to the demons, which I know is super vague, but that's all we have, too. Which brings us to Food Wars Chapter 315, Shokugeki no Soma. Which is a title that set off alarm bells for me when I read it. Yeah, I had gotten an email before this chapter Talking about the new good news for Food Wars and how season four of the anime is officially premiering in October, right? Yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, that is true. That is true, but that was not in the email. So the email was like, hey, it's the final chapter of Food Wars. Uh, Oh. Yeah, which is... Very much how I feel about it, too. I was really blindsided by it because I didn't even get that. And even at the end of this chapter, because it doesn't feel like a conclusion, I was wondering, hey, is this going to say the end at the end? Yeah. And it does because it is the last chapter. We are getting some form of brief continuation. And if that's available to us, we will cover it on this show. Yeah. It's not been super clear how it's going to be released in America. Yeah, so over in Japan, who had more knowledge of this, because like three weeks ago, they were like, hey, it's going to be ending next month. And then the continuation is going to be in Giga, not Jump. So hopefully we'll have a way to read it here in America. Some of the series that were in Giga are on the Viz Jump website, so we might just get it there. I don't know. It's totally possible, especially with how popular it is. It, it would feel really silly to be like, all right, so that's the end of Food Wars, and you don't get the continuation, because screw you. I mean, maybe they want to do it just as the, a manga volume, but that we, we'd be waiting a while. Because yeah. they're just wrapping up, I think, the Team Shokugeki in the collected issues. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, so I had very conf- conflicted feelings about this chapter. I l- really liked a lot of it. Yes. It starts with just naked Arena, and you know I'm here for that. I won't say I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then it's just her going through like, oh, why is Soma's dish so good? And then like kind of highlighting for the dumb people in the audience the significance of it and going back to the first time that Soma saw Arena cook was in the training camp where she made the eggs Benedict. Yep. And Soma's like, yeah, I'm like I saw that and I was like, well, I can't do a muffin that well, so I'll switch it with rice and I'll use this sauce. Yep. And then, like, I got this idea from this thing. And Erin is, like, almost crying as she eats it. And she's doing that good Food Wars thing where she's, like, thinking and talking. But also, she just can't stop herself from continuing to eat it. Yep. And then she does the gifting so hard the castle explodes. 
Yeah, the castle itself undresses. Which is a good gag. It doesn't feel like a final chapter gag, but... No. It is a good gag. Yep. We also have Erina's mom talking about... Because she's hearing Soma being like, Hey, I'm going to keep making you food until you tell me that it's delicious. And her thinking back that because I had the divine tongue, nobody wanted to push the limits with me. Like, even my husband would just go tr- completely traditional and make delicious food, but, like, I, I've tasted it before kind of thing. Like, uh, I mean, it's it's good, but it's not new. Versus Soma's like, don't worry, I'll keep making new stuff until you say you like it. Yeah. And so then, basically, everybody in the crowd starts shipping Arena and Soma. Yep. And they're like, oh my god, Soma made Arena moan. Yes. That's not a literal translation, but I did see someone edit one of the panels so that they said that. Nice. <laughs> pretty good. But uh, Tadaruki's like, ah, oh, she's finally going to say she likes Soma's cooking. And she's like, no, it's disgusting. Compared to the dish that I'm going to make now. Yeah. And so the series ends basically with Soma being like, all right, then let's reset and let's like do this properly then. Yep. And. I always knew it was going to end with Soma challenging Arena to another Shokugeki. I just kind of wish we had, like, resolved the blue a bit more than... A ton of stuff feels unresolved, right? Yes. Just a tremendous amount. And that's what really... There's not... Like, the ending is okay from, like, a... And then they go on and do it again's perspective. But there's no catharsis to it. No. Like, Arena's mom still just sitting there watching them, and... Well, there's a bit of catharsis with her, where she's like, oh, hey, that Soma kid might actually do it. Even though we don't see, like, him doing it, she's like, oh, so there actually is hope, he's just going to keep trying? Like, it's impossible. And I, I get the... I feel like we were just... This should have been longer, and had more in the middle. Like, I totally get the ending with Soma being like, all right, and then we'll have another food battle. Like, that's how Food Wars was always going to end. Soma challenging someone to a food battle. But I really wish there had been a bit more catharsis than her just kind of musing like, huh, maybe that would work. Maybe maybe that kid will, since he'll just be trying all the time, maybe he'll do it eventually. The one bit of catharsis we do get is actually pretty nice, and it's Soma's thinking to himself like, hey, Dad, I think this is actually a dish I can call completely my own. Yes. And that's a good bit, but, like, so much just feels unresolved, like, with all the, like, I want to want to call them lesser characters, but that's really how they feel after this arc. Yeah. Like, the people who got left back at Totski, and it feels weird to end it just as year two starting. And, like, there is some wisdom in that, I think, because it would be weird to go through the same school events again. Yep. And also, like, the blue has a problem of it feels like it's really hard to think of a, like, arena to continue it in after this. There's a weird scope creep problem. Yeah. So I I get the ending, like, I'm hoping the epilogue fixes a lot of the kind of trailing ends they have with those support characters. And that's that's probably what they're going to be doing with it. And I didn't feel like ending it at the end of the blue was a bad call. I just wish they had actually ended it at the end of the blue and not, all right, and then the finals will begin now. Yeah. Or even if it was, like, if they was felt like they resolved the blue with Soma and what's, I can't think of his name now. Saiba. Saiba's battle. Then, like, the finals, like, being Erina and Soma being the end might have made sense if it felt like that had resolved, like, Mana's thing. Yeah. But it didn't. 
And like, there's so much we, I feel like we just set up like Erina's father coming in and there was purpose to that. And like her grandfather saying like, this was my plan, but yeah. neither of those feel resolved. Kind of, sort of like I have the hints of their resolution. He, he's definitely leaving a lot of stuff open, which I'm fine with. I'm I'm usually fine with those kind of endings, but there is there's still a little bit of question at the end of it. So like I do kind of like this ending, and there is going to be an epilogue that's coming out in like a month. So I'll reserve judgment until like the thing's actually done. This is just the final chapter of Food Wars, and then there will be the epilogue chapters. So maybe that will satiate everything that we want. Certainly, I've just like I it's really hard to end something. In total fairness. But I'm yeah. like thinking of the end of Dragon Ball and Naruto, which are really what I want. And like, I don't know if that would fit for Food Wars, because like you said, it makes sense to end with Soma challenging someone. Yeah, and there I was like... no way Food Wars was, was not ending with Soma challenging somebody. And I do like that bit, but just so much else feels unresolved. Yeah. And also, I'm sad to see it go. Yes. It was definitely a shock to the, oh, Food Wars is ending. Like, Shonen Jump's going to be worse without that, because that's always, like, it's something in the back of the book that I'm always super looking forward to. Yeah. Which, re- and we have one more thing to talk about, which is Double Taisei Chapter 5, Feeling Like a Loser. I honestly don't know why you didn't save Food Wars for last, but... Well, because I'm doing it in the order that was in the magazine. Okay. That's what I always do. I was, I had a very similar feeling of maybe we should have talked about this. Let's end on a low note, Kevin. That's what we want, right? No. Well, let's go. I, uh, we have to. I mean, but I, I don't know that I have much to say about this. It has a better cliffhanger than previous chapters have, right? It does. But also, like, this series has really lost me. Yeah. I. So, basically, the only thing that really came out of the chapter is Ty falls asleep and Say wakes up at nighttime, so they swapped. Yeah. And it's like, and that's the cliffhanger. But, like, that's kind of what I suspected was going to happen yeah. anyway, and... Yeah. Yeah, it just, like, it's it's a weird series, I don't know. Like, Tokyo Shinobi Squad, at least I hate it, and that makes it interesting to read. Yeah. Double Taisei is just weird, and not in, like, a, oh, that's weird, but, you know, like, huh, okay, how am I supposed to feel? Yes. Like, I, I don't think this is how I'm supposed to feel, but I have no idea what you were going for. Yeah, so, really not much to talk about with that, so... Ending our discussion with a low note. Yeah. So uh, that will be reflected, I think, in Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read this week, all of them, not just the ones we talked about, from our least favorite up to our favorite. We have 17 this week because no One Piece or Hell's Paradise this week. So, Kevin, what do you have at number 17? At number 17, I have Haikyuu. Hey, me too. Yeah, it's just, it was really boring this week. Yeah. I mean, it's, volleyball is just like, it's really hard to follow and it's really uninteresting and it just feels like it's taking so long. Yeah. I, 
I, I feel like this is like this huge arc climax that we kind of just jumped into the middle of. So we have none of the background for it. So that's probably why we're not enjoying it as much. But sorry, I'm just not enjoying it as much. Oh, what about number 16? Number 16, I have Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Hey, me too. <laughs> and that was a chapter. Like I said, I thought some of the power things were cool, but other stuff just seems meh. Yeah, that's very good. Aggressively mediocre. It's going to be our catchphrase for it, I think, or at yep. least mine, until it turns around. How about number 15? Number 15 was Double Taisei. Okay. So we have a little bit of divergence here. Yep. I don't really have much to say about it other than what I did at the start. That's fair, and that's a fair reason to put it pretty low. I don't have it much higher. At number 15, I put Dr. Stone, though, because it all kind of hinges on a fart joke that I did not super care for. Yeah. And I at least liked the cliffhanger on Double Taisei. I gotcha. I have Dr. Stone a little bit higher. So I have, at number 14, Yui Kamiyo. There's some interesting stuff going on here, but now I'm just super confused. I mean, I put Yui Kamiyo very high this week because this is the comic I want Yui Kamiyo to be. Yeah. Because I thought it was actually really interesting. And we're like, we're getting at the questions of the premise that when I was first talking about, like, this is what this is a metaphor for. This is the stuff that I thought would be interesting to explore. Yes, I'm just part of me is it's a lot of it is the dichotomy from this has been a comedy series to like, let's get super serious yeah. for two chapters. And that's like, so what's it going to be like when it switches back to a comedy? Or is it not going to switch back to a comedy? I'm just, I'm lost now. There's definitely a tone whiplash. I don't know. I feel like last week was still pretty much comedy. I definitely get what you're seeing talking about this chapter. And I guess if you mean by two chapters, you mean this in the next chapter then. No, that last week sense. still had comedy in it, but it was definitely that it started to shift more towards the serious. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Like, I've seen comedies do that where they're like, all right, we're going to do a little bit of world building, get serious so that the next part, the next funny part is even funnier. And then it's just like, nope, straight gear shift into serious mode. So are we going to be switching back or is this the new direction? And I, maybe I'll like it more. At number 14, I put double tie say. I okay. don't know that I have much more to say about it either. Yep. So I have Dr. Stone at number 13. Gotcha. It, the poop joke wasn't as horrible to me it wasn't it's super not funny. terrible no. it just felt like it was the only thing the chapter had pretty pretty much yeah but that's a japanese thing sure so but it didn't do anything for me yeah i uh, number 13 i have beast children like i feel like i said my piece on it it was exactly what i expected beast children to be yeah it's which, my like, i didn't d- dislike it but it's my number 12 gotcha uh number 12 i put jujutsu kaisen Gotcha. I liked some of the like emotional talk at the beginning of it that the characters were having. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the sort of denouement. But it feels like, I don't know, Jujutsu Kaisen feels like it loses me a lot. And I'm like, wait, this is the end of the arc? I guess that makes sense. They did just win the fight. But yeah, like shifting into that end of the arc mode after that just really gave me whiplash. Gotcha. So my number 11? 11. 11 was Black Clover. So... There's some cool stuff in here, but I even I got the I had a very hard time following the art because their cool combination attack was split into like four panels, six like that are diagonal. Pa- yeah, like six panel slices. And it was like so I literally had to read the description of the attack to figure out what happened. 
Yeah, this and is gonna, not the best way to go about that. This is going to sound weird. I put Black Clover pretty high this week, actually, because of that panel. Really? Because it is super confusing, but I looked at it like six times, and I was like, yeah, I can imagine like what's going on here. And actually, I like the idea a lot. And then they do have to explain it, and I agree with you that that's not great, but it made me go, oh, okay, yeah, I did figure out what was going on there. Cool. I guess I just didn't bother going back six times, because I just kept reading. It was like, I, oh, so that's what happened? Black Clover for me, so... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a weird chapter to pick out, but I really like that combo move, and I feel like it's pretty typical. I didn't put, like, top five. No, I I get you. I just, because of that confusing nature of it, that's why it didn't go super high for me. Uh, That's fair. My number 11 has, like, similar, like, feelings to it, which is Chainsaw Man. The fight just didn't do anything for me. The way Denji loses just seemed, like, real repetitive. And the Makima showing back up stuff was super interesting, which is what got it higher than Jujutsu Kaisen, for example. Yeah. Um, but it didn't do a ton for me. Yeah, so my number 10 was Jujutsu Kaisen because I thought it was pretty, like, I realize it's an end of the arc thing, but that didn't give me as much whiplash. And the fact that they're like, yeah, we're going to recommending these guys to become rank one Jujutsu Sorcerers. So it's kind of like, hey, we're recommending these guys become Chunin. Yeah, that's what I got from it, too. It just seemed like, like I said, I wasn't like, what is going on? I just was like, this is like, we're not where I was expecting this to go tonally, and it's weird. Yeah, and we also had a bit of a thing between Itadori and the girl being like, "So we killed that guy." Yeah, and that's the I part I never like. killed the guy before. Yeah, no, it was really, it. yeah, it was really good. So that's why I liked it. My number ten is Act Age, which also just like seemed kind of weird to me. I did like ideas in it, <laughs> but sort of the end, it got almost kind of dreamy is the wrong word, but it was almost hard to tell if that was actually going on or not. That was definitely actually going yeah, on. Yeah, I know. I, 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 That's what I figured out afterwards. But reading it had a weird quality to it. I didn't have that. And, like, she meets the guy who wrote the play on the top of the mountain and he tries to kill her. Eh. And, and, like, yeah, again, that's, like, a soft, uncharitable reading of it. But because he was like, oh, yeah, it's a good thing I caught you. I don't think it was, like, super, like, I, now I will kill you. Because he's like, hey, I'm glad you're in the play. It just seemed very confused to me. Yeah. I... I'll talk about it when I get to it. Yeah, um, that's fair. My number nine was Samurai 8. The world building was interesting, so I'm interested to see where this princess dynamic is going to go. Yeah, I put Samurai 8 a little higher, I think, just because I really like the, the princess's personality. Yeah. But I have similar overall feelings about it. I put The Promised Neverland at number nine, because like I said, it just felt like a real... Like I said, it it felt off in some way. I have a hard time putting my finger on. I gotcha. So I have Act Age number eight, and I liked it just a little bit more. I didn't have that weird, dreamy quality about it. And I did think it was a little weird that the guy said as he was saving her, like, well, I had that moment of thinking, like, well, I mean, if I let you fall, nobody would blame me, which might sound a little weird, but it might just have been to try and show off his very odd personality because he's also the director for her portion of the movie. Like, he's not just the guy who wrote the play. He's also going to be directing her cast. Yeah, it's just an odd... Like I said, the whole thing seemed odd to me. And, like, in a way, it was just kind of off-putting. I didn't hate it. It's yeah. still middle of the list, basically. Yeah. But I did not like it as much as I've liked previous chapters of Act Age. I gotcha. My number eight was We Never Learn. And, I, again, I feel like I said my piece on that. Mm-hmm. My number seven was Chainsaw Man. I was really intrigued with the Makima thing. 
And that was really what kind of drove it up was like, oh, she's now totally fine and is lying to her subordinates being like, oh, don't worry, I didn't get hit. Although, I again, I, I don't know that she's lying or not. I definitely think something's going on there. Yes. But and I want to know about it. But that was the most interesting part of the chapter to me. At number seven, I put Samurai 8 because, like I said, that princess is like the, the princess was the funniest thing. Yeah. In Shen and Jump this week in a lot of ways. Yep. Uh, so, funnier than We Never Learn. That's why I went higher. Yep. So my number six was We Never Learn. Like I said, when I was talking about it, I liked it a little bit more than you just because I liked going deeper into why Ogata is feeling these feelings and the kind of realization that even though she hasn't realized it, she's got, she's jealous, but because she doesn't understand feelings, she doesn't understand her own feelings. So she's like, I hate myself. Well, I, lots of people feel jealous. Like as long as you don't let it consume you, that's, that's the important part. Yeah. Like everybody, not everybody, but there are lots of people that have that little voice in their head that tell them there's a great line where it's like, everybody has that little voice in their head that tells them to jump off of high places. Yeah. Like, when you get to the edge of a giant cliff or something like that, there's this tiny little voice in the back of your head that's like, what would it be like to jump? Yeah. Don't listen to that voice. Unless you have a bungee cord on. Yeah. But then that voice is much louder. I put Black Clover at number six. Okay. I just liked it more than Samurai 8, so that's where it slotted in. I gotcha. I have The Promise Neverland at five. I thought the cliffhanger was really cool, and I I don't have much more to say about it than I did when we were talking about it. I put Yui Kamiyo at number five. Like I said, this is what I want Yui Kamiyo to be, ideally. So there's definitely some weirdness with the antagonist going on, but I'm at least intrigued by that. Yeah. I'm curious where it's going. And like Yui just seems like so much more of a character, which is what this series really needs. Its characters are all kind of on the weak side. I honestly don't know that that monk guy is the antagonist. Well, and he could not be, but he seems in the immediate situation to be not really he was like oh those idiots at the prefecture screwed something up i'm gonna have to fix it yeah but she's also talking about hey yeah we have to kill that thing inside of you yeah and yui's like hey maybe that's actually the real me maybe i'm the one who should fade away i got you and like that like struggle of identity and he's like almost like a counselor because he's even treating it kind of like dissociative identity disorder yep while also doing some weird monk stuff yep so my number four was food wars I still really liked the chapter, but just because of the dissidence of it being the end and having those couple of questions kind of left open and me going like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get the, because I knew about all of this before I started reading it because I read that. I just happened to see the email Sunday before I had started reading the chapters because it was like right when they came out. So I hadn't even known, oh, hey, the new chapters are out. I should go read that. I was like, oh, I've got an email from Shona Jump. What is this final chapter of Food Wars? Oh, no. So I did a bunch of research, so that probably colored my reading a little bit. Almost certainly. My number four is My Hero Academia. Uh, Really good My Hero Academia. I've been kind of bagging on it lately, but it's a really good series, and I feel like this is what this arc wants to be. Yep. So, yeah, my number three was My Hero for a lot of the same reason. I thought a lot of the stuff was cool. I definitely liked Tomura's clone being like, hey, so I saw the real me coming up, and he's going to destroy the building, so we should all, like, you know, watch out. Yeah. My number three was Demon Slayer. I don't know that I had much to say about that either, but like the emotions were really raw and that ending is really good. Yeah, it was my number two. I don't have much more to say about it either. Okay. My number two is Last Sayuki. Because like, damn, Last Sayuki's good. Yep. Which is, it's your number one. So. Yes. 
I don't know that I have much to say about it either, but I really like Estelle. I like that she got to like get her save back in a weird way. Yep. It elevates the character and makes her feel a lot less damsely, which she I think needed. That's like the one like kind of stumble I feel like last Sayuki's made. And so you. I'm glad that it has recovered from it so quickly. Yep. But I had to put Food Wars at number one because like maybe it's cheap being the ending. And I like I said, I don't think it's a great ending, but it's by far the most emotional impact any of the chapters had on me. I really, really liked Last Sayuki, but it doesn't even come close. I gotcha. Yeah. Mine probably was colored a lot by the fact that I knew it was coming, as opposed to not. Yeah, and so you're like judging every panel like, hey, this is like I've only got 20 pages. Well, and especially knowing that there's going to be an epilogue also being like, well, I'm going to have to like probably after the end of the epilogue, I'll go back to this last chapter and kind of feel better about the series. And it's not like I didn't enjoy it. I just I liked a couple of things a little bit more because I knew that it was ending. All right, so shall we go ahead and figure out what we're going to be reading every week going on? All right. Okay, I'm going to go first because I went first last time. Sure. Uh, the series I want to read by far every week the most is Last Sayuki. So the Last Sayuki is my number one pick. I gotcha. So I'm going to put my hero up. I figured you would. I was counting on it, I yep. might say. And then I'm going to put One Piece up because it's close number two behind Last Sayuki for me. It would have been Food Wars, actually, but... Yep. Yeah, thankfully, I had not done my voting list before this so i could just be like oh well i don't have to put that one on here so that makes you know that opens up some slots so i'm gonna put demon slayer up okay i also kind of figured you'd have that higher than me my next pick is kind of a not a weirder one but i do want to keep talking about it it's just it's the one i think i might regret the most but it's the new series i found most interesting and i do want to keep talking about it which is samurai 8 okay my next one's the promised neverland we've been really enjoying it so I want to keep talking about it in depth more than just, uh, I kind of felt like this was okay and put it on the ranking list. Yeah, I promise Neverland is also actually next for me, which means the one I'm going to pick is one actually I expected you to pick, but it's fine. It just fell out that I'm the one who picked it. And that one's Act Age. Because I've really, like, that's risen in my esteem, and I think we have stuff to say about it most weeks. So gotcha. that's going to be my, I guess, fourth pick, actually. Yep. So then my fourth pick is We Never Learn. It was um, the bottom of my list. Yep, Act Age was below We Never Learned for me. Gotcha. So looking at, because I made a list of all eight, just in case you I, picked some, and that's the list, so. Yeah, I made a list of seven, because I would only get picks, and it's also the list for me. So I guess our tastes are at least aligned. Yes. We Never Learned only scooted on there because Food Wars got kicked out. I still really like Food Wars, or Food Wars, I, I do still really like Food Wars. I still really like We Never Learn. I like it too, I just don't know that I have something to say about it every week. I usually do, even like... It might help if you would take your notes other than just being like shenanigans. I, I that will make been, me remember. I have been lately. And okay. it's still like, I don't, I think the shenanigans part is basically, that's kind of how I feel. Like, it's fun. I'm not like, oh man, I just wasted five minutes after I read it. Yep. I just, but I like, feel it, like we're coming to a conclusion. So I want to keep talking about it as, and. That's fair. Cause I also feel that way. Yeah. As we're building up to it rather than just like randomly. Oh, so it's the last chapter of We Never Learn and maybe it will keep going, but. As we're building to, we're building to a conclusion, not necessarily the conclusion of the series, but at least the conclusion of an arc. So I still wanted to keep talking about it. Okay, well, that's fair enough. So the series we're going to be reading every week are Last Sayuki, One Piece, Samurai 8, The Promised Neverland, Act Age, Demon Slayer, We Never Learn, and My Hero Academia. 
And that does it for Shonen Jump this week, but we still have to talk about Pokemon Adventure. Yep. So we will do that after the break. I want to be the very best Like no one ever was To catch them is my real test To train them is my cause I will travel across the land Searching far and wide Each Pokemon to understand The power that's inside So as I've said before, Pokemon Adventure, or it was Pokemon Special, was how it was translated back when I read it quite a while ago mm-hmm. is actually one of my favorite manga. So I'm really curious how you felt about it, Kevin. I enjoyed it. I had some moments of confusion. Just, I felt like a couple of things were left unanswered in each given story, not each given story, but some stories it was like, wait, so what happened with the thing? And he's just, okay, he's just onto a new town. Alrighty then. Yeah. It does have X files is not the right, comparison for it no but it is willing to leave things open which i think is one of the things i appreciate about it although that certainly shifts reading this first volume i was kind of struck by how close it is to the series i love and also how it's not quite there yet okay yeah because i and there were some things where it's like it's left open and that's okay like oh they're just going for an open ending and then i don't even remember what it was there was one thing that just kind of got to me with so so wait what happened with that like I, I was just, I was just confused where it went. It seemed. Do you remember like, what it was? No, and that's it's driving me nuts. Because I remember, I remember feeling confused about it, and I guess I just blocked it. Gotcha. So the reason I really like Pokemon Adventure that's on display here is like this is my favorite version of the world of Pokemon, like because it's clearly based on the games and it's not the games. Yeah. But it's got in before the anime started. And when the anime starts, its influence affects this immediately because suddenly Red gets a Pikachu. But it doesn't do it so much that, like, it changes what it is. Yeah. And I just really like this slightly more serious version of the world of Pokemon. Yeah. Where at the end, in this, like, shockingly violent bit, uh, Koga's Arbok gets sliced in half by a Charmeleon. Yep. And there's a bit of Misty being, like, Goku anime bloody after she's been battling a Gyarados. Yeah. And like those aren't like, oh, that's so mature things. It's just like I like this take on the world of Pokemon a lot. Yep. I really liked when Pikachu first shows up and so there's a bunch of it's been causing trouble in a town. And so there's a bunch of townspeople that are like trying to catch it with like one guy catches it with a bug net, but it just zaps him and runs away. And it's like, but like I I it coming from the person who understands that like everyone you meet in the Pokemon games is either a Pokemon trainer or somebody who sells you something, basically. So it's like, doesn't everyone have access to Pokeballs? Or at least understand that that's how you catch Pokemon. You shouldn't, you know, be using a bug net. Maybe we're making the same point. Tell me if we are or not. But I kind of really appreciate that as, like, elevating Pokemon trainers in a way. Because like you said, in the anime and, like, the games, it's like everybody you meet is a Pokemon trainer. Yes. So I like this kind of like putting them up a level that like because Red's a Pokemon trainer, like no. he's valuable. Yeah. And I did get that more as the series went on. But like when that first showed up, I still had that dissonance of coming from the games where it's just, oh, everyone knows, like, even if you're not a Pokemon trainer, you would at least like call Officer Jenny or something like that. Call and she, Brock. Yeah. Or they would know how to deal with it. Not like, oh, we're going to catch this Pikachu with a bug net. But it, it shoots lightning. And I mean, I guess it's 
not everyone has access to the Pokedex, so they don't understand everything about Pokemon. And, like, that makes more sense as I start thinking about it. But I definitely, when I first started reading, had that dissidence of, what are you guys doing? Like, don't you know that's stupid? I really like how Pikachu's just Aladdin, like, just stealing apples and yep. <laughs> annoying the townsfolk until Red catches him. Yep. Yeah, so what did you think of the characters? Because that's also something I think is generally really strong. But also, I, I feel like maybe we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I could I could see. Uh, obviously, they need to go more. I do like Red. I like he's really in touch with his Pokemon. He's smart, but still naive because he's a young kid. So, like, especially at the beginning with the Bulbasaur, where he, like, smashes a hole. Not He gets, he doesn't smash a hole in the wall, but he causes a hole to... No, does he smash a He opens a window. That's what it is. To, to he, like, power up Bulbasaur, reverse solar beam? Yeah, and Professor Oak is like, how did you know about Bulbasaur's solar beam? He's like, well, I mean, it's a plant, and, like, plants like sunlight, so I just gave it sunlight. I thought I would do something. It was like, that's... So that's, like, that kind of smart kid thing of, oh, yeah, well, like, I made this connection. I didn't think it would work out like that, but, well, yeah, that's pretty intelligent. I also like that he's pretty cocky. Yes. He's certainly self-confident. I mean, he does know his limits. He's like, he really like looks up to blue is not right, but he's like, oh, that blue guy, he's actually really good at this. Well, um, and I, I like the fact that, so he starts out completely arrogant with, I'm the best Pokemon trainer in my town, being the only one. And I know, like, you don't need to talk to Professor Oak. I can teach you everything about Pokemon. And then he goes out and meets blue, gets beaten and is like, oh. I don't know everything about Pokemon. I should probably go talk to that Professor Oak guy. And Professor Oak's like, take him a Pokedex and catch them all. Well, first he... Spoiler, you're not going to succeed. That's Crystal's job in like six volumes. But he breaks into Professor Oak's lab because the door is open. And he's like, oh, look, a bunch of Pokemon. And he's like, oh, this Bulbasaur is over here. And that's when Professor Oak walks in. He's like, you're going to steal my Pokemon, you Pokemon thief. And he accidentally releases all of the Pokemon. And they have to go catch them all. Yeah. And I like all the little stories, too. I like that one. I like the, like, Pikachu causing trouble in town. Yep. I The Brock one is maybe the most boring, where he just beats Brock. And it's also, like I said, very anime-inspired. Yeah. Where he uses his Pikachu to electric onyx. Yes, because the Pokemon Center is currently down for maintenance, which just has me going, so should they be doing the Pokemon tournament if the Pokemon Center is down? Like, that seems super irresponsible. All right. We're gonna have all these sanctioned Pokemon. Wait, no, the 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 Pokemon Center is down. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna push the tournament until it's fixed. Because otherwise, like I'm gonna beat up all your Pokemon, and then they're just gonna be sitting there almost dead. I do like it as for establishing stakes. So, like you said, it's kind of dumb and raises lots of fridge logic questions. Yes, but but it does definitely raise the stakes of like I uh, have to win with two Pokemon at like a third health and Pikachu somehow. And if you've played the games, which you presumably have, you know, well, Red starts. Another thing I kind of like is he has a Poliwhirl from when he was a kid yep. that he just has as his like main Pokemon. And then he got the Bulbasaur from Professor Oak. So if you know about Pokemon, you know, uh, he's probably going to have an OK time against Brock. Yep. So like having them on their last legs the entire time and him having to use his Pikachu does raise the stakes in an interesting way. Yeah. When he actually gets the Brock, both Bulbasaur and Poliwhirl are completely wiped. So it's just Pikachu versus Brox's Onyx, and it's like, oh, that's uh, that sucks to be that. Yeah, that sucks to be you. It's just super weird because later on, this game will get like, or this series gets really 
I don't want to say religious, but it gets even closer to the games than it already is. And gotcha. it goes back to retcon a bunch of stuff. Okay. Like, later on, his Poliwhirl evolves into Poliwrath. Yep. And they kind of retcon, like, oh, yeah, like, there was just, like, water stones in, like, the ocean there <laughs> that the Poliwhirl, like, touched while it was swimming. That's why it evolved. I honestly liked the explanation of why it evolved the first time. Yeah, that's really good. And I do really like the mirroring of that. But yeah, because at first he captured it as a polywag. And it was like, I accidentally fell into the river and it evolved in the polyworld to save me, essentially. Like, because I was in danger and had this connection with it, that's why it evolved. And then the exact same thing happens and it evolved in the polyrath. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I realized in the games you have to use a water stone yeah. or like certain Pokemon have to be traded the build chapter was weird. Oh, yeah, the build, especially the translation. I talked early on about how there are some weird translation issues. One, A big one, I think, is uh, when we're talking about Blue, we're referring to the rival character, Gary, from the anime. Because in the translation I read, Blue was the girl who hasn't shown up yet, and he was green. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's important to specify that. Also, there's a, this just gag where Misty later on is like, hey, is that a Pikachu? And he goes, ain't no Mickey Mouse. Which is just like the weirdest reference to Paul, yeah. In poker, like it's a funny joke. I find it is, but it's just like the more you think about it, the weirder it seems. Yeah. And now I lost my original point. I was talking about some weird translation stuff. I thought I was going somewhere with that. I mentioned the Bill chapter. And then oh yeah, the Bill. Bill chalks with a like super southern accent, y'all. And yep. it's really weird. He counts like a country bumpkin, even though he's one of the smartest guys ever. Yeah, I've seen that. It's to emulate a similar uh, Japanese accent, I think. Yeah. It just doesn't fit Bill, I don't think. Uh, I, I've i seen the because I think that's what they were going with Bill's accent, where he's the country bumpkin of Japan, and he just happens to be super intelligent. So he has that method of speaking. But I have definitely seen the country bumpkin super genius before. Like, he just, he was raised in the South. So he he might speak like a country bumpkin, but he doesn't act or like, use the words that a country bumpkin would. He just has that vernacular. Yeah. It just seemed really off to me. Anyway, the Bill story is weird because it follows the game plot line where he gets mixed with a Pokemon, and this they specify it's a Rattata. Yep. And just there's like a Fero trying to eat him, and Red has to save him. Another thing I like about this, in contrast to the anime, though, that comes up in the Bill chapter, is like Red is actually catching a whole bunch of Pokemon he doesn't use, like yep. I do in the games now. Yep. Yeah, he, he specifically mentions at one point he's got his belt is, like, overloaded with Pokeballs. He's like, it's getting kind of hard to, like, move around with all these Pokemon. I need to do something. Yeah, and Bill's like, it's fine. I invented storing them in computers. It's fine. And, well, he doesn't actually say that. He just, don't worry, and grabs all of them and, like, barely explains to Red what's going on. Which yeah. I thought was great, because that seems like a total Bill thing to do. Don't worry, I got this covered. You got what covered? What are you going to do? So while Brock is super, super boring, the other dream leaders we get in this are actually, I think, real interesting characters. We're with Misty for kind of a while. And again, I think that's kind of the anime influence, like kind of creeping in a little bit. That Red and Misty team up for Mount Moon in a little while after. Yeah. And are clearly friends, which comes back in some cool ways later. Misty's one of the like kind of most important characters going forward as far as like recurring and returning characters gotcha other than like blue and green who we haven't met yet are more important than her but yeah of the gym leaders but then like koga and lieutenant surge are outright antagonists yep i like lieutenant surge is even a bully who like tries to drown red in the ocean and koga tries to murder red and blue with his arbok yes who like we said at the start gets murdered and returned by a charmeleon 
yeah, so I do like the more realistic version of it. I like you can steal other people's Pokemon, like, as opposed to in the games where it's like you can't catch other people's Pokemon. It's like, no, it's just extremely difficult to catch in another person's Pokemon because it doesn't want to go into someone else's Pokeball, essentially. Yeah, because Red catches Misty's Gyarados because he doesn't realize it's hers. It's yep. just rampaging. Yeah. Do the machinations of Team Rocket. And Team Rocket seem very menacing here because they like they're just in their stock uniform and they have that kind of faceless goon look they do from the games. Yep. And the first time, well, not the first time Red meets them, but the first time Red fights them in Mount Moon, he doesn't win. He just runs away. Yeah. He ends up winning inadvertently because of the fact that he ran away, but he doesn't win the fight. It's not like in the game where it's just like, all right, I just crushed all these goobs because I've been uber-leveling my Pokemon and I'm way too over-leveled for this section of the game. But Also, this game's pretty easy, actually. It's for five-year-olds. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh, Pokemon Adventures is one of my favorite manga. And like Green's one of my favorite characters, and she's not even here yet. So, Yeah, I did enjoy it. It's just... Weird to me knowing some of what's coming up. Like, it's definitely the series I love. It's definitely the start of it. But also there's just some, like, things that I think are important to its identity that aren't here yet that it's kind of interesting to go back and see. Yeah, and I mean, that does happen in a lot of manga and anime and stuff like that, where it's like, eh, it starts off one way and then this person shows up and it takes off in a completely different direction. Oh, so you have anything else to say about Pokemon? It's all available on, sadly not, in the Shonen Jump app for free, but you can buy it all on Viz's website. And like, yep, they will try to sell it to you if you're reading Shonen Jump. Yeah, so it's a fun read, and I did enjoy it. So I think that takes us to personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from the best to the worst. At the very top, we have Uzumaki Naruto, everybody's favorite yellow Izuki Midoriya. I guess orange. He's definitely orange. He's definitely orange. He's blonde. That's why I said yellow. At the bottom, we have that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And dead in the center, we have Sakuragi Hanamachi from Slam Dunk. And so I don't really know where to put Red because he does. He definitely has personality Mm -hmm. and I like him, but like there's nothing special about it. So I guess the place to start might be Ichigo Kurosaki from Bleach. Okay. I feel like I like him more than Ichigo, but I might just be biased because I like Pokemon Adventures a lot. Uh, I like him a bit more than Ichigo, too. Ichigo, Ichigo's a little bit more bland than Red seems to be. Again, I've only read the first volume, but Red, at least, he's got that kind of naive intelligence, and he seems like a good person, but he can make mistakes, and I do like that about him, so they... Even in this first volume, he has a lot more character flaws than uh, Ichigo, who's just kind of like, well, I'm like kind of like the main character, yo. How do we think he compares to Asta, then? You're more a Black Clover guy than I am more of a Black Clover guy. I think I like Asta more. You can easily sway me since you know more about Pokemon Adventures, and I've only read the first chapter or volume. So here's the thing. I Like I said, you're more a Black Clover guy, so I was going to leave it to you to begin with. One of the interesting things about Pokemon Adventures is its cast rotates a lot. Red is definitely the main character for the first three volumes, but then Yellow shows up and is the main character for a while. Okay. And then Gold shows up and like Red and Blue and Green are still doing things. Okay. But Gold's the main character and then Crystal shows up and she's just this person who is freakishly good at capturing Pokemon that Professor Oak has hired to finally finish the goddamn Pokedex because all of the other people he gave one to are just getting on adventures. Okay. So, yeah, like I was saying, I think I like Asta more. 
Okay, then we will put Reddit number 18 below Asta, but above Ichigo. Which does it for this week's podcast. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? So next week, we're going to be reading a manga of an anime I absolutely adored, which was Assassination Classroom. Things I know about this manga. Kevin likes it. Yep. It's got a weird octopus dude. Oh, there's a Watchman smiley face on the cover of the first volume. Yeah, it's actually a dude's face. Okay, well, it looks like a Watchman smiley to me because I it haven't does. read it yet. <laughs> I uh, hope you like it. In the meantime, www.lastpodcast.com is our website. That's where you can see the personality power level list or join our Discord if you want to talk to us. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wynn on DeviantArt. Anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. All right, we'll see you next week. Have a great week. Gotta stop.